Well, hello. I'd like to welcome all of you who are tuning in online, um, whether that's Facebook or YouTube or whatever medium there might be. Um, I had a blast this past weekend at the Tennessee River Grace Family Retreat, and unfortunately, uh, I was not able to record my uh, message. Uh, I had some technical dif technical difficulties there, uh, so wanted to just re-record. And it's funny, you know, um, that. Uh, message that um, I presented. I got zapped by the sun and, and I wasn't really fully uh, on my game and, and just being aware of my time. So thankful for everybody of the saints that kind of endured <laughs> through that process. But nonetheless, I uh, want to discuss how to share the gospel of Christ with others. Uh, but before we discuss how to share the gospel of Christ. Let's first discuss what the gospel of Christ is. In Romans 1.16, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel of Christ, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So Paul, in Romans 1.16, says he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. So, what is the gospel of Christ? Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul declares what the gospel of Christ is. And so we're going to read that in 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. How are you saved? You're saved by the gospel. That's why Paul said he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? It is the power of God unto salvation. And you're saved by this gospel when you hear it, you believe it, and you receive it for yourself. So let's keep reading. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 2, "...by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye believed in vain." And in verse 3 and 4, he gives you the gospel of Christ. Verse 3, "...for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures." So. I want you to zero in on verse 3 where it says that Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins. I had someone uh, comment on one of our um, messages, I don't remember what it was, but they said they had read 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4 a hundred times. It finally clicked. It didn't realize that Christ had died for their sins. So I want you to think about it. The gospel of Christ, how that Christ died for our sins. Who's our sins? Well, insert your name. Christ died for my sins. Whatever it is. Whatever your name. Insert there. That's the gospel. When you realize that Christ died on the cross for your sins at Calvary, paid for in full, shed His blood, where we have forgiveness of sins, and that He rose again from the dead the third day for your justification. That's the gospel of Christ. It's very simple. Christ died for your sins, was buried, and rose again the third day. And you believing in that, 
just believing what the Word of God says, you're saved. So uh, let's move on now with the message. Um, now, I want to talk about when you're starting to share the gospel of Christ with others, uh, I just got to give you a couple things. One, this is not for the faint of heart. I will tell you this much, you might tell 50 people and you might share this with 50 people and they might not want to have anything to do with it. But there might be that one person, that could be the 51st person that you speak to, it might just click and you might have just very well helped someone cross over from death into life. Also, the second thing is, afflictions will come. Uh, you can read all about the Thessalonians and how, about how they received the word in much affliction. And Paul telling them, warned them ahead of time, you're going to suffer tribulation and afflictions are going to come. You know, it's, you, you think that everybody's going to want to hear this and they're going to be excited and passionate just as much as you are. Truth is, it's not. And then uh, the last thing I'd say is every single soul you meet, every person you meet has a soul and it's going to one of two places. And that's why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 15, 11, Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So I think that there is definitely an art uh, to persuasion. And so um, the things I kind of want to talk about in the message right now is uh, I want to share a little bit of research of what I've done on the different evangelist approaches today. Uh, some I agree with them, some I don't. Um, I want to talk about the Apostle Paul's way and how he went about sharing the gospel of Christ. I want to talk to you about how to strike up a conversation to share the gospel um, in naturally, just in conversation. I want to touch on your personal testimony and then we'll close up in uh, just wrapping the thoughts up. So, um, when doing research, just looking at the different approaches, the different evangelist approaches, I kind of put them down into four uh, categories. One, I call the fire and brimstone approach. Two, I call passing out tra tracks. Three, it's media, social media. We'll get into that later. And um, four is just uh, through relationships and conversations, the conversational approach. So the fire and brimstone approach is pretty straightforward. I mean, you can go into any major city, and I I'm sure you'll find someone on the street corner with a sign, right? And all sinners go to hell. I don't think that's necessarily the best approach. This is my opinion. Uh, Proverbs 15, uh, 1 talks about grievous words stir up anger. And if you think about it, if your message is all sinner, you're, you're a sinner, you're going to hell, do you think you're going to stir up anger to people? Uh, I, absolutely. You're going to probably make a lot of people upset. Uh, that's why they say you draw more flies with honey than vinegar. Uh, the second thing is passing out tracts, and this is something that has been done for um, quite quite a few for a few years. Um, and so, there's a couple resources uh, that I just want to recommend. Just a couple websites. Uh, ForgottenTruths.com has some excellent tracts. AV Publications uh, has uh, .com has some great tracts as well as uh, Eye Opener Publishers. Uh, if you're looking for material that you can be able to just hand out, and with that, uh, I don't. It can get expensive. That's why if you're going to pass out tracks, I really think you should be um, careful with who you give it to. Uh, meaning, if someone has voice interest, I would definitely give them some material that they can read and check out. But if they're completely turned off, uh, why would you waste giving that away? Because they're just going to probably throw it in the trash. So passing out tracks is one way that you can share it. Uh, 
The third way you can share the gospel of Christ with others is through media. Uh, so you've, you've got a, quite a few mediums here. So with media, you've got radio. Uh, Richard Jordan, Steve Atwood, they're on WJOC AM 1490. And uh, that's a great way because there's certain people that listen to radio and you're going to be able to reach certain people. Me? I don't listen to the radio. I turn on Spotify or whatever when I'm in my car. But radio is definitely an area where you can reach people. You've got podcasts. Uh, I don't know of anybody that has podcasts, but if there is anybody, please let me know because I think that's an area and that's a whole entire different pool of people that hang out in podcasts. And that's one place where we need to get the gospel of Christ out to. Uh, another place... Uh, that you can share the gospel of Christ is through websites. Uh, and there's countless websites that we can kind of refer to, and I don't have the time to list all of them. The fourth medium of uh, media I like to call social media, and this is where I think uh, uh, where a lot of where we need to get the gospel of Christ out, and I'm talking Facebook, I'm talking YouTube, your Snapchat, your Instagram, and whatever the younger generations uh, are, are in that I wouldn't even know. These are places that we should be thinking about having the gospel message, the gospel of Christ put into it. And I just want to touch a little bit on this, because if, if you look at the times that we're living in, and you look at the culture, the attention span is that of a gnat, and you really only have, you know, you think about all the viral hits of videos or memes that you've sent, seeing that it's usually 30 seconds, one minute, five minutes tops. I mean, you really can't uh, engage people until they, they are pretty much lose interest and then they're scrolling on to the next thing. So you, you got to be very strategic in the way that you are presenting material. I really try to make it a, 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 a point to do just two minutes, five minutes tops to get across the message, whatever it is. Um, and so there are ways that I think you can cr come up with creative content that you can now put into these different places. And it's very much needed. And then the last approach that I would call the fourth bucket when it comes to sharing the gospel of Christ and evangelism approaches. You have fire and brimstone, the picket signs, right? The passing out tracks, you've got the media. The last one, and this is one I think is probably the most important, is your relationships. Through your relationships and just through natural conversations with people that you might have at the grocery store, gas station, uh, whether you're waiting in line, wherever it is, the bank. And so uh, when Matthew, in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus was calling his 12 disciples, he said, Come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And in the book of Proverbs, we'll go to Proverbs chapter 11. I want to read that. Don't want to misquote it. And in Proverbs 11, if I can get there, the Bible's stuck. Proverbs 11, and we're going to verse 30. The fruit of righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. So, the, why am I hitting on this? I, I think when I look at Christ's ministry, he had 12 disciples, and I see three that he really invested a lot of his time into in his relationships, and that's Peter, James, and John. Uh, Peter and John obviously wrote uh, the, the epistles of John and Peter later. Uh, James was written by... Um, the Lord's brother, James. But 
point being made is that even though Jesus had 12 disciples, he really was intentional about investing his time into three of those relationships. And I think that's a pretty good model. And when you're having conversations with people, uh, there is definitely a little art and science to it, and I'm going to touch on that later, but I want to talk about now Paul's way. What was the Apostle Paul's way when sharing the Gospel of Christ? Come with me to Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, we can read Paul talking about the whole armor of God, but I want to zero in at the very end part of after he summarizes the whole armor of God. And in verse 18, he says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and all supplication for all saints, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So the number one thing Paul did when it came to sharing the gospel of Christ is that he prayed and he was asking for, for the Ephesians to pray for him to have a door to give utterance to make known the mystery of the gospel of Christ. Meaning, God, just give me an opportunity. Give me, just give me someone, give me a chance where I can just share the, the mystery of the gospel. And what's the mystery of the gospel? That he died for their sins. That's the mystery of the gospel that he died for their sins, to be testified in due time, and that God would die for the ungodly, and that by you simply believing, you're saved and sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise under the day of redemption. So, Paul prayed. He prayed that he would have the opportunity to share uh, that gospel of Christ with others and make it known. Let's go to Colossians chapter 4. In Colossians chapter 4, uh, we'll be reading verses 2 through 6. Continue in prayer. So you're seeing a thing. Prayer is a big deal. And watching the same with thanksgiving. With all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. And so... He tells the Colossians, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may be that you may know how you ought to answer every man. And I think this is important because everybody has a story, everybody has their own experience, everybody has their questions, and they're never going to be the same. And that's why you need to be in the Word so you know the Word, so that you're going to be able to be seasoned with salt and be able to share that word with them and answer their questions. So, prayer was the number one thing that I see in Paul as our example of how he went about sharing the gospel of Christ. God, give me an open door to share this with others. The second thing I see in Paul was his passion for his fellow countrymen and for everybody else. So, let's go to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. And we'll be reading verse 3 and 4. I'm in Romans 10. Romans 9, 3. For I, Paul, could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are the Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption, and the glory, and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the service of God, and the promises. So, 
Paul loved his fellow countrymen so much that he wished he was cut off from Christ. I remember when I first got saved and I had this passion uh, for God and for His Word and I just felt like I needed to go over at, to Africa to share this with others. And, you know, the thing is, is that, yes, we do need missionaries, but I'm telling you, there is people right here in your neighborhoods, your neighbors, in your school, in your work, in your family, that need someone to just share this truth with them. And so you don't need to necessarily go over to Africa to share the gospel of Christ. You can start right here, right now, with the next person that you see today. So, he had passion for his fellow countrymen, and he also had passion for everybody else, and you can read about that in 1 Corinthians 9, uh, where he became, he was made all things to all men, so that they could all partake in the gospel. So, prayer, passion for his fellow countrymen and for everybody else. Where was Paul going? Let's go to Acts 17. Where was he going to share the gospel of Christ? In Acts chapter 17, notice in verse 16 and 17. Now while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore he disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. So, Paul, notice in verse 16, his spirit was stirred in him. I don't think that's a mistake by the Word of God. See, you've got the spirit of man, you've got your spirit that makes you unique, and you've also got the spirit of God dwelling in you. So, those two have become one. And in verse 16, it says his spirit, Paul's spirit was stirred in him. Why? Because he saw that Athens was wholly given to idolatry. They had this big statue to an unknown God. And um, Paul was so stirred up that he was going to the synagogue. Why was he going to the synagogue? Well, that was where his fellow kinsmen were. And these guys knew the Old Testament, so they were in the Scriptures. So he was able to reason with them out of the Scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. And then when he would finish trying to reason with the Jews and those devout persons who are those Gentiles that believed and blessed Israel, he would then go into the marketplace. Why was he going to the marketplace? Well, that's where there's masses of people coming and joining. So you think today, marketplaces, where are people gathering? Malls kind of starting to fizzle out, but where do people really gather? Social media, right here on their phones. So where do you think we need to kind of take the gospel to? We need to take it to the places where people are spending six to seven to eight hours a day right here on their phone. So... Paul went into the synagogues and the marketplaces. How would that you know, come to today? Churches. Churches have lost people in there too. <laughs> Sounds crazy, right? But if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. And I know that I was in churches for seven to nine years, and I didn't even know what the gospel was. So this is me speaking from experience. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who don't know what the gospel is. So... Uh, the another thing I want to point out is that Paul understood the culture that where he was at and where he was witnessing to. Let's go to Acts 17. We're right there. Go to verse 28. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. So Paul, right here in verse 28, quotes 
the poets there in Athens. Verse 29, For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think of the Godhead as like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. So, Athens was given over to idolatry. They had all these statues of gods. One was named the unknown god. And Paul said, Quotes, quotes the poets and says, look, we don't liken God unto gold or silver or stone or graven by art or man's device. God doesn't live in buildings. Okay, God is living in people today, those who have trusted in the gospel of Christ. You've got the Holy Spirit, that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now living inside the body of the believer. And He makes known unto them who this unknown God was, and that's Jesus Christ and Him crucified for you. He's the only God in this world that's ever bled and died for you, but God raised Him from the dead. So, He understood the culture. And then last but not least, Paul kept it simple. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, notice in verse 1 through 5. And I, brethren, when I came unto you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined to not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And the power of God is Christ. So he, say, he said to the Corinthians, All I knew among you is save Christ crucified. That's it. It's a very simple message. So if you have a Bible handy, you're not always going to have it when you're having a conversation with someone. So I encourage you to memorize Scripture. And I just want to share four verses that I have memorized so that I can share it at any time. Obviously, the first one is 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And... Remember, I emphasized earlier, for our sins, Christ died for your sins. So I point that out to them. It was their sins that God died for. I also like 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For He, that is God, hath made Him, that is Jesus Christ, to be made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So emphasizing that Christ became sin for us. God made Him sin. So think about whatever sin it is that you have. Christ became that on the cross at Calvary. So that you now might be made righteous. Meaning, like you never did anything wrong. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. That's the third verse I like. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Emphasizing that it's by grace that you're saved. Not by anything that you can do. This is a gift. And what do you do when someone offers you a gift? You take it. And if you're raised right, you do it with thanksgiving. And then I like to hit on Ephesians 1, 13 and 4.30. In whom also you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. 
in whom also you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And Ephesians 4.30 says that you're sealed unto the day of redemption, meaning you can't lose it. Those are the only scripture verses that I like to use and have memorized, so I'm ready to just share that whenever I need to. So, let's move on to the third point, and that's how to strike up a conversation naturally uh, with people. So, there's a couple uh, Proverbs I want us to take a look. Let's go to the book of Proverbs. Grab Proverbs 20 in one hand and Proverbs 15, 13 in the other. Proverbs 20 and Proverbs 15. Proverbs 20, verse 12 says... The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord hath made even both of them. So, have you ever heard the phrase, two ears, one mouth? There's a reason why God gave you two ears and one mouth, meaning we should listen more than we speak. I think uh, sometimes we get so excited where we want to talk and share and share and talk and talk, rather than just slowing down and seeking to listen and understand where a person's coming from. So that's very important. Uh, Proverbs 15.3 says, uh, I might have quoted that, Proverbs 15.13. I'm in 14. 15.13, here we go. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. Now, smiling, did you know it takes more muscles to frown than to smile? So why am I saying this? A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. A merry heart makes a cheerful... If you could tell when someone has a joy. And if you're saved, you have the greatest joy in you. And that's the joy of salvation. Meaning you know you're going to heaven whether you, you want to or not. We ought to be the most happy people on the face of the earth. And unfortunately that's not so. Because we get caught up with the affairs and the worries of this world. But listening and smiling and having a merry and joyful heart when you're sharing with others is going to be way more effective than this solemn, quiet, depressing, why would anybody want to talk or believe what you're putting out? So that's why I want to hit on those things. Now, the next thing I'm hitting on is not necessarily from the Bible, but I think that there is an art to persuasion and that small talk uh, is something that I think a lot of people struggle with today. Why? Because we live in a culture where it's instant gratification and people are stuck in their phones and they can't hold a conversation with another person. So this is a technique that is called the form or for technique and it's essentially a tool to help you start a conversation with someone. And the beauty of it is that these are things that everybody cares about. So F stands for family. Everybody has a family. Everybody has a story that you can naturally talk about there. So asking if you're coming across a stranger and you say, hey, do you have any relatives or family in the area? Now you're able to ignite a conversation. O stands for occupation. Some people, it's going to be easy. They like to talk, like they like to talk about the work. Some people don't. Uh, the R is for recre recreation. What do you do for fun? And the last piece of the puzzle uh, is motivation or dreams. What are they wanting to accomplish with their life? What are they doing? What are they working towards? What makes them get up in the morning? What drives them? So the former four technique is essentially to give you the tool to ask a few questions, to now start a conversation, spark small talk, and uh, the key is the person that's asking the right questions can lead the conversation. Uh, and now note, 
don't just ask questions because this isn't an interrogation, this is a conversation. So you're going to have to share a little bit about yourself as well. Share appropriately. And then the last part is once you're engaged in that conversation and now you're actively listening to where this person's coming from and seeking to understand their heart and their experience, now you can begin to ask quality questions that are going to be able to lead you towards the path to share or witness with them the gospel of Christ. So I wanted to share a couple things about questions. In your King James Bible, there's roughly over, I can't tell if these, I got two sources here and I, I still got to confirm it. Anywhere from 3,326 to 3,157 questions asked in your King James Bible. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are 614 questions asked in that book. Jesus Christ asked exactly half of those, 307 questions. I don't think that's a coincidence. And, and I can recall times in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John where they were, the people were asking Jesus a question. And how did He answer their question? With a question. And uh, closed-ended questions are really powerful. Uh, the thing is, is when you know, understand the Gospel of Christ, you know the answer. People don't know the answer. And you need to help them come to that conclusion themselves. I, uh, I'm, I'm the sales development manager, manager and my job is to identify clients' um, problems and identify the solutions and help them bridge the gap. And I like to use this analogy of small cheeses. Think of like a baby cheeses to ask questions, to now position you in a way where you can now lead them to the answer. Therefore knowing, the terror of the Lord, fair, therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So, understanding how to ask the right questions to lead them to a solution is a very powerful technique. So, questions would be, are you involved in the church or a Bible study? And if they say no, would you like to be? You know, uh, what is your church background? Are you saved? How do you know? Can you lose it? What do you say the gospel is when you're sharing it with others? What does the Bible say? What do you think about this verse? You get the idea, right? These are all questions that you can ask to help position you in a way to share the gospel of Christ with them. Now the last piece of the puzzle is, number four would be your personal testimony. A powerful way to share the gospel of Christ is simply to share how you got saved and how you came unto the knowledge of the truth. It's your story. Nobody can refute that. So I want you to think about your testimony. And let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, Uh, it's 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So, Paul tells Timothy, take heed unto thyself. Paul, Timothy, pay attention to yourself. Pay attention to your life. Pay attention to how you got saved, how you came unto the knowledge of the truth, and... Pay attention unto the doctrine. 
Why? Because you're going to save yourself and them that hear thee. You should really take some time and write down your testimony and write down how you got saved, how you came into the knowledge of the truth, because you're going to forget. We're humans. We forget. It's crazy how easily we can forget things. And once you've written that down, I would encourage you to break it down into a way that you can now share this in 15 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute top, because that's all you got when you're, when you're with someone you're able to share it with them. The, why is this powerful? People relate to real experience. And side note, some people aren't going to just accept the gospel of Christ on the spot. Some are going to need time to really open up to it. So the moment that you have this conversation, well, guess what? You're marked and tagged by this individual. They're going to now watch your life and how you live, and the way you live your life is going to be the most powerful witness you will to that individual. So in closing, I want you to think about your unique ministry. There are people that you can reach that nobody else can reach. And what can you do to share the gospel with them? How can you use some of the things that we talked about today? I appreciate you tuning in. Thank you so much. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to message me. I'm happy to answer them. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for the gospel of Christ that saves. And we thank you for your word and your truth that we can be built up and edified. And God, for those who have not trusted in you, we pray right now that they would receive that free gift of salvation, that they would trust that Christ died on the cross for their sins, and that you were buried and rose again the third day for their justification. We love you, Lord, and we give you all the praise in, our, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.